I love having the opportunity to share the Word of God and to just share what God is really speaking into my heart, because I believe that's how He speaks to all of us, and He reveals it, and then we we share that, and that's um, and in January it's great because we get to share whatever. Like it's a free topic in January, so it's it's really exciting to be able to share what really is not necessarily on the list. So that was great. And last week, um, Steve talked to us about drift and how easy it is to drift, and that was a really good reminder. And and you know, as um, Rihanna just talked about what Jess said, and and today this is another thing about helping us to be prepared as we begin. 2019. Now, I'm a teacher and uh, I've taught primary school and English. And when you you teach, um, you know, primary school, you teach English, a lot of the things that you do is you, you use literature and stories. And it's really interesting that many of the stories that you um, read about, particularly for children, they're based around this idea of of children wanting something. So that you know, that children love magic and they love the the power of something. Like so, children making a wish, or you know, we think about Aladdin and the genie giving three wishes for something that they could want, whatever you want. Or many of the stories that attract people around a power, a special power to be able to do something. And this sort of captivates people's interest, a wish for something or a power to do something. And why is that? Why does it captivate people? Because everyone wants something that they don't have. Everyone wants this elusive thing or this elusive power. And what it does when we can't really, we know as adults we grow up and we can't actually make a wish and although we still, you know, have birthdays and we say make a wish and all that sort of thing and people wish for something. But uh, when we come down to it, the fact is, is that as adults we realise that probably, you know, that, that the magic is not really there and our wish is probably not going to come true magically. So what we do is we plan for to make it happen. So we have this desire and so we it drives us to action to do something to achieve that desire. It may make us save. We have this thing we really want and so we're prepared to save so we can get it. Some people even gamble because they want to fast track the process of getting it or try to anyway. Some people even resort to stealing because people become desperate about this thing, this one thing that they want. And so they go after it with everything until they get it. The sad thing is about that is that sometimes, you know, when it's a thing, when they get it, then they want the next thing and it's sort of that won't satisfy for very long before you know it. What's the next thing that you really want? And so that can become actually a cycle. But I was thinking about wanting that one thing. So if I was to say to you, what is the one thing that you want more than anything else? I don't want you to answer it, but I want you to think, what would, my, what would your answer be? If you could ask for one thing, what would that be? If you could just ask for one thing and know that you would get it, like that fairy story. Well, this morning I'm going to talk to you about one thing, and you have a, an outline of the message this morning, because I want you to think about this beyond today. And so in the Bible, there are five times that one thing is referred to. And I want to look at these five times briefly, and then I want us to think about what is our one thing. So one thing, first of all, David said in Psalm 27 verse 4, one thing I ask from the Lord. This is the thing that he wanted more than anything else. The thing that he wanted was to seek 
Uh, sorry, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. This is the one thing he wanted, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. In one version it says, the one thing that David craved, to crave is desire greatly, to want more than anything else, to yearn for. I wonder what is that one thing you crave? What is the one thing you want more than anything else? Well, his thing, David, who wrote the Psalms, his thing was to live in the presence of God forever, beholding his beauty. Now, I think we can understand why David wants this because we all want a presence in our lives that's incredible. Well, God is beyond that. And also, we, we love beauty. We, we will travel the world to see beauty, won't we? We'll record it in some way. We'll try and take photographs or paint it. People get inspired by beauty. David did. He wrote the Psalms, which are an expression of the, his heart for God. People get inspired and write stories and songs. And we write in our journals about beauty. Where we become impressed and overwhelmed by beauty. It thrills us. But David had found a beauty that was beyond words, beyond what just, although most of the beauty we see is an expression of God, it is who he is. And he wanted to be in the presence of God every day. This is the one thing that he wanted. I wonder if you were recorded, I mean he's recorded in the Bible for saying this, you know, millions and millions, billions of people read this. I wonder if you were recorded for the one thing that you want, what would be recorded in the Bible for you, that one thing that you want more than anything else? The second verse is found in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Now it's interesting, if you want this one thing that you want more than anything else, and uh, you know, you go after it, and and if David did this, and he continued to hold to the things that, that you know, were in his life, he has to actually let go of those things to receive the one thing. He has to be willing to release to receive. And so this, in this story, we see about this young man. He was called the rich young ruler. And in this story, this young man goes to Jesus and he said, what must I do to have the one thing that I want, which is eternal life? I want to have life forever. And Jesus said, well, if you want that, go and sell everything you have. He was rich. Go and sell everything and then come and follow me. He wanted one thing. His hand was full of his wealth and everything that he owned. He had all of this stuff. And God said, you're going to have to let go of that to receive what I have for you. And it says... After that, the man went away sorrowful because he couldn't let go of what was in his hands already. See, he's saying the one thing you lack is that actually you have to let go of what's in your hands. And sometimes, you know, so for Elise, she, she's living a great life here in Newcastle. She's got lots of friends. She's having, like, life is good for her. She's worship leading in the church. She's doing a great thing. And you could think, well, she's got everything in her hand. And God's saying, no. There's one thing you lack. You have to let go of all of that and come and follow me. Is that easy to do? It's not easy to release. But if you see what God's going to give you when you 
release and let him fill you, then you will never try and hold on to what you already have. Part of it is fear. We allow fear to determine our destiny. And we're always going to lack the one thing if we allow fear to control us. This young man was afraid to let go. He was afraid, what would happen if I don't have this money? What if I don't have this wealth? He's going to get eternal life, but he's afraid to let go. And so he keeps clinging and it says he went away sorrowful. And that's what's going to happen to us. If we cling to the things that we think will give us the best thing, we're going to go away sorrowful because we'll miss the one thing that is going to give us everything. So I wonder today, what are you holding on to in your life that could stop you from receiving what God has, on to, has for you? Sometimes we hold on to darkness, to the ways of the world. We love the ways of the world and we miss the light of the world. Or we hold on to money, we treasure it and we think this is it, but we miss the pearl of greatest price. We hold to our way, we think we know the best way, and we miss the way. We hold to what we know, and we think we know everything, and we miss the truth. We cling to life here on earth, and we think this is it, this is everything, I've got to give everything to this, and if we cling to that, we will miss eternal life. The Bible says he went away sorrowful because he missed out on the one thing. Because he held to everything that he thought was more important. I say to you, what are you holding this morning and what is God asking you to release, to receive from him the one thing that he has for you that is the best? The third verse comes in Luke chapter 10, verses 41 to 42. Here's a story about two ladies, Mary and Martha, and they were hosting Jesus Jesus is coming and so he's an incredible guest and they're excited to have him. You know what it's like when you get guests? You prepare for them, you want it to be great, you want them to really enjoy being there. And so Martha is busy in the kitchen, getting organised, busying herself so that she can do everything possible and she's very annoyed with Mary because Mary's just hanging with Jesus. She wants to hang with Jesus but she thinks she needs to do this before she does that. And so she's annoyed with Mary because she's not helping. She's annoyed with Jesus probably because he's talking to Mary and not to her. And so she's fully annoyed and distracted and busy. And what does Jesus say to her? There's only one thing that is needed. One thing. Martha, you are worried and troubled over so many things, but just one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the right thing and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was focused on doing a good thing, but she missed out on the best thing. Busyness can be our worst enemy because we get so busy doing that we miss being in his presence. We get distracted by the tasks and miss out on his presence And we're so busy going after the good things of life that we actually overlook the fact that he is the good thing. He is. And all we need to do is to be with him and we will have everything. You know, God is not asking us to try harder. He's not wanting us to strive to find him. He doesn't want us to prove by what we do that we love him. He says there is only one thing that is needed. 
Be still and know that I am God. Be with me. Because when you have him, you have everything. It's interesting, as I said before, that when Martha was so busy, she was distracted and annoyed. And you know, sometimes when we mistakenly think that what we do for God is what's going to get his favour and get his, his blessing, we actually can become distracted and annoyed too. We get distracted by what we have to do and we, we even may get um, annoyed when God doesn't reward us the way that we think he should. But, you know, we've got to remember our reward is him. Jesus himself is our reward. And so it's not about doing so that we can get rewarded. It's about knowing him so that we can be with him. And out of that, we do what he calls us to do. The greatest reward of all is Jesus. Martha wanted it, but she missed it. Mary chose it and He couldn't be taken away from her. The fourth verse is from John chapter 9, verse 25. One thing I know. You see, when you spend time with God, when you're in his presence and you are still, he says, be still and know that I am God. And what happens is that it's only in his presence that we're really going to know him and see clearly. And often we, our vision becomes clouded or obscured by our circumstances and by people. You know what people do? They can let us down and they say they're Christians, but they do that. This obscures our vision. We can't be obscured by that because we will begin to doubt. We will begin to get confused. What we have to do is know him, know who he is. Because when we don't, that's when questions plague us, when doubts set in. But when you know him, you see the truth clearly, really clearly. And what does it say? The truth sets us free. So many people have accepted Jesus, whose lives have been turned around and transformed, may not know anything hardly at all about the Bible. They may not know much even about Jesus, but one thing they do know beyond a doubt, they know that once they were blind, once they were lost, once they were trapped, but now they can see, now they are found, now they are free. That's what they know beyond a doubt. And that's the thing that we need to know. We need to know beyond a doubt who Jesus is and how he works in our lives because he loves us. You know, there is nothing that can dispute this. This blind man who came to Jesus to be healed, he said, I don't know all of that. You know, the Pharisees are asking him questions. He's saying, I don't know. I don't know the answers to these questions. But one thing I do know, once I was blind but now I see. And you see, when you come to Jesus, you may not know all the stuff about it. That's okay. As long as you know him, as long as you know that once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was bound, but now I'm free. Once I was blind, once I was confused, but now I have clarity and purpose and vision. That's what God wants to do. And it only comes in knowing him. I want you to Think in response to this question this morning. Do you know, do you know that God loves you? Not just a fact in your head, 
You've heard about that. But do you know in your heart that he loves you with a cherishing love? Do you know how I know that he loves me? I feel his presence, but I know he loves me because he gave of everything for me. It cost him his son. Everything. That's how I know he loves me. I have, I have no doubt because I know this one thing. That I have the love of Jesus and he's my everything now and forever. You need to know what you know. And you're not going to do that without knowing him. And finally, the fifth verse is from Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 to 14. One thing I do. So this is the action part of the message this morning. There's one thing God is calling us to do. And as we begin this new year, we're 20 days into it, but still, it's still pretty new. He's calling us to one thing. He's saying, okay, focus on this one thing. Forget what's behind you, okay? So what often happens is the enemy just brings back our failures to us. He brings back our defeats into our heads. Look, I did that. Look how I let this person down or let God down or didn't stay true to this or failed in that. So they become, they plague us and we feel like we can't keep pressing forward because of all this stuff. So what God's saying to you, here's the one thing I want you to do. Forget all of that. Forget it. I've taken care of it. If you've brought it to me, it's gone. So don't worry about it anymore. Now look forward to what lies ahead. Okay, this is what we're going to go on. It says, press on to reach the end of the race. Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Another translation says this, press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So at the beginning of a new year, what he's saying to us is, don't set lots of goals. I just want you to focus on one thing. What I want you to do is focus on finishing the race. Now, the finishing line may be closer for some of us than others, but we're all called to finish the race. Not to go for a while and then fall off and and disappear. He wants us all to finish the race so we receive that heavenly prize of Christ Jesus himself and live eternally with him. So he's going to say to you, he's going to be like your personal trainer. Okay, He's going to say what you need to do so that you can finish the race, so you can stay on the track, so you won't fall off. And so he's going to say to you, I don't want you to focus on a hundred things this year or even ten. I'm just going to get you to focus on one thing. You're going to forget what's behind. Now focus on this for this, for this time in your life. Now, at this time, we know personal change is always on our minds. It's just something the world puts it to us. We start a new year in our jobs and we're looking at what's the goals for this year and all that sort of thing. And what we tend to do is we make these goals or resolutions and our resolutions often are just sweeping promises that we actually can never do. I read this, that New Year's resolutions are actually last year's confessions. We swear we'll be more organised next year because... Last year we were so disorganised. And often our resolutions are very vague and, and shallow and there are a lot of them. But what this verse is, it's focus on one thing. I'm saying this over and over so that you get it into your mind. It's just one thing. Narrow down your vision 
Because if you try and focus on too many things, you'll do nothing. All right? That's what happens. If we focus on everything, we do nothing. And so we have to be specific. And so what I want to do, if you turn to the other side, I'm going to show you how you can do this. What I want you to do is a suggestion. I'm not saying you have to do this, but I think it'll help. Is to choose one word, one word only. It's hard to limit it to one word, but one word, which will serve, to, sorry, which will serve as a lens for your life this year. You look through this, of how God is going to work in and through you. And that will help you to pay attention to that area of your heart that God wants to work on in your life this year. Now, this one word I want to share with you personally. Um, I really believe that it will help you and it certainly helped me. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about... Um, what I've done already. So at the end, towards the end of the year, after a very busy conclusion to the year, I, I really stopped and I, I felt that God really wanted, I said to God, what do you really want me to focus on now this, year, this coming season in my life? And I felt that I, I struggle with anxiety and I struggle with worry and uh, I, get very, I can get very anxious about things and it even can physically affect me. And so I felt that the word that God was really saying to me was trust. I want you to trust me. And so I felt that was going to be the one word. So I started in spending, I had this wonderful break between Christmas and when I went back to work of just having time with God. I mean, a lot of time. And really praying and reading and seeking him. And as I went on, as we came into the, the beginning, by this stage was about a week and we're just starting the new year, I felt God say to me really clearly, Pam, if you know me, you will trust me. With such conviction of my heart, I thought, it's not about trying to trust. It's sort of, that's sort of like our effort to trust. But what he was saying to me, Pam, if you really know who I am, you know me, you will trust me. And so I felt that God was taking me further than the word trust. As I was waiting on him, I had to go a step further. And the word that he really said to me for this year is intimacy. I want you to know me. I want you to have this intimate relationship with me where I, you know me and I know you and we have this together. And so how do we find that word? Well, if you go to the back of your sheet and it's on the screen as well, the first thing we do, it's a three-step process. Just You don't have to do it this way, but this is just a guide that possibly to help you. The first step is to ask yourself, look into your heart and, and ask yourself, what do I need to do to keep me pressing forward in this race? What's in my way? What needs to go? What is the thing that's holding me back from pressing forward? When you honestly answer that question, God will begin to speak to your heart about the area of your life that he will want to work on to help you. You've got to be honest in this. It's not something anyone else needs to know about. I shared with you because it's a journey that I'm on with God and I feel that to share it will help keep me accountable. That You, you can say to me, Pam, how are you going with that? How are you going with knowing God better? I'm, I'm open to be asked that question because I want to be accountable to what God speaks into my spirit. And then after you've asked yourselves those questions, then you need to look up to God himself and receive from him what he is saying, the word. It can be through scripture. It'll come to you and he'll speak into your spirit and you'll know because you'll have this conviction in your heart 
And you may not want to hear it, so you may just turn away from it. But if you listen to the conviction of your heart and respond to that, that is what God's going to do. And you will be amazed by the way that he outworks that. So the question then is, what do you want to do in me and through me, Lord, this year? Write it down. Write this down. It may, it's going to take more than a moment. It may be something God's already been speaking and you know already what he's saying. And then finally, you have to live it out. My suggestion to you is I put it on the screen saver of my phone so that every time I go to my phone, the word intimacy is there with a word of God and, and, a, and a prayer, an attitude of prayers. Just So keep it before you. Put it up on your fridge. Put it on your mirror. Do something that is, keeps it ever before you because what gets your attention gets your focus. So keep it before you so that it's prominent and you don't forget. And share it. If you're, if you're able to, share it with someone else so that there's an accountability around it that helps you to keep going. You can see my screensaver on the, um, there. Just to help me remember, every time I go to my phone, which is a lot, and I think it's a lot for all of us, then it, it's a reminder. So find ways to remind yourself, to encourage yourself to be active in that. So I'm going to invite the band to come. And I want us to take... We've got... A bit, just a few minutes left. And I want us to take some time this morning, just quietly where we are, to look at those questions and to think about, God, what, what are you saying to me as I move forward this year? What do you want from me? What word do you want me to focus on so that you can work in my life to outwork your purposes in a way that will help me to keep pressing forward to win the heavenly prize? in Christ Jesus. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to, we're just going to have quiet time. Like Joel said earlier, be still and know that I'm God. And we'll just have some music in the background. And then as then the band will come and um, we'll finish you with worship together. Dear God, our Father, we thank you for the word that you are speaking into our spirits this morning, this one thing. Lord, we want to desire you more than anything else. We don't want to miss out by holding and clinging to the things of this world. Help us to release so we can receive what we are lacking. Help us, Lord, to know that we know who you are. To do what's most important, not to get busy with all the stresses of life, but to really spend time with you in your presence. And then to live it out as we run the race of life that you have set for us. I pray for each person here, God, that you will right now, Holy Spirit, Spirit, bring revelation. I pray, God, you'll speak. Speak, Lord. We're listening.